Hello, welcome back to Sermon Notes. This is Garland, and I have the one and the only Brian Pope. He is our uh, global outreach director for fellowship, in fact, over all campuses, but he, uh, we have the privilege of having him here in the Fayetteville congregation um, directing how we, uh, how we think about the nations, how we pray for the nations, and how we send people to the nations, and also welcome the nations. And so, uh, Pope, you and I had the was it a privilege? What would we call it? We got the the joy of spending five years working together uh, in student ministry um, years ago, and so it's been fun having you back in Fayetteville, uh, kind of uh, on hand and getting to hang out a lot more and do ministry together. So uh, you'll be teaching this week, and uh, as always, um, give us just sort of you know a lot of people are going through Philippians. In fact, most of our small groups are going through this content in their small group. I know a lot of people are using it in discipleship. A lot of people are using it just in their personal devotion. They've got the book. And so uh, we dive into chapter 121 through the end of the chapter. It's a bit of a strange, uh, you know, teaching series break. And I, I I think it was done so that your verses, especially 21 to 24, get their own spotlight, but it kind of breaks up the rhetorical argument a little bit. So um, give us just sort of the lay of the land, what's going on in the passage, big picture, how does it work? And then we'll dive into just Anything that didn't make the sermon or things you think a leader might really want to know as they dive in? Yeah, thank you. By the way, I'm so glad that you talked about, I don't know if everybody realizes this, but like what you said, I didn't realize it was five years. Five years on the same team, Garland and I, we ran the junior high ministry. It's a scary thought. Yep. (laughs) You and me together. It was incredibly (laughs) fun. But I bring that up because I really want people to grasp this as they're reading through Philippians is kind of want them to to understand this perspective, and I think a lot of people could relate to this. And Golan, I know you could re- could relate to this. Being involved with youth ministry for a long time means that we probably led and were a part of multiple multiple cell groups, right? Uh, and of course, say the politically correct answer: loved them all, right? right. Loved all the kids. We never had a favorite cell group. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> However. You probably remember a cell group that you totally connected with. Oh, yeah. That you look back and you say, man, this one cell group totally connected with. Uh, It's true for me. And I think if you're a teacher out there, you'd probably say the same thing. You've spent years teaching. You'd probably look back and you'd say, oh, man, there's one class that really connected with. Maybe you'd say that's that's your favorite class. If you're a coach uh, at any level um, whatsoever, you know, you probably really enjoy your job, love the kids, but there's probably like one team that really sticks out to you that you totally love and really, really connected with. And when I read Philippians, that's the feeling that I get. I feel like Paul obviously loves all the churches uh, that he's part of, all the churches that he planted, all the churches that he's writing to. But man, Philippians is the one that he just seems to love. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were actually talking about this earlier, you know, earlier in the summer, I was just reading through first and second Corinthians and it was almost depressing, <laughs> especially second be, Corinthians. Oh yeah. man, it was almost, and don't get me wrong. There's some incredible verses and jewels that you pull out of there, but just the tone just almost seems, uh, so depressing, but you get to Philippians and it's always been one of my favorite books, um, to read and to dive into. And so I, I want people to feel that, uh, when they see this, and, and by the way, just a, a side note, no matter if it was a church like uh, Corinthians or a church like Philippians, Paul calls them all saints, and right. I think that's so important in the identity, and I think it's important for us of just realizing our identity in Christ, whether 
we're struggling in our walk right now. We're doing really well. We're still saints. We're, we're children of God. So j- just kind of setting that up, something else that I, that I really wanted to point out was uh, is actually that aspect of like the community aspect of it, that Paul is writing to a group of people. We really take these messages in. We look through it just through an individualized lens, and we kind of say, like, hey, how does this apply to me? Where I think that these churches and the way that Paul was writing is – how does it apply to us? What right. are the things that we can do? And I think that's something that we rarely do. Uh, I actually think that our church is like perfect for the to do that, the setup through our small groups, mm-hmm. through community groups, through cell groups. Everything that, that we do, we seem to break it down into smaller groups. And so looking at it through a- that aspect, when we read scripture, when we read a book like Philippians, going like, okay, how does this apply to us? And mm-hmm. what could we do mm-hmm. uh, as a group? And it's actually more of an Eastern thought. That's kind of how they see each other. Uh, more as groups, collectivism is, is kind of the term that they throw out there. I remember being on a trip to Zambia. And one of the things I noticed, the, the guy that we partnered with there, he was Zambian. And we'd go around to these different groups to minister while we were there. And one of the things I just kept on asking him, I was like, hey, what do you want us to teach? What do you want us to teach? And he just said, man, he goes, nobody's ever asked us that before. They kind of come in with their agenda. And I'm like, well, these are your people. Like, what do they need? And he would describe these different groups and he'd be like, oh, this one's spiritually strong. This one seems like spiritually weak. This one likes to, you know, claim that they're Christian, but you don't see it uh, in the way that they're living. And at first I was just like super, super impressed that he knew his people really really well but the other thing was is like when he described a group it seems like he described the entire group Mm -hmm. the same way and i I really think that's that's something i want people to come away with with this talk is is just the importance of like we become more christ-like in the context of community uh iron really does sharpen iron Mm -hmm. so groups of people living the things that we're going to talk about on Sunday or did talk about on Sunday. Um, it's meant to be lived out as a group, right? Both the, the support and the mission aspect that Paul lays out mm-hmm. uh, in these scriptures. Yeah. And even looking in the text, you can notice. So if you're, if, if you are a community group leader, just notice how, you know, we, we, I mentioned last week in the, in sermon notes and in the, uh, and in the sermon itself on Sunday, you know, this is a very regular convention in ancient uh, letter writing. Actually, uh, there's a fascinating book. It's called, uh, I believe the title is uh, Paul and First Century Letter Writing. And one of the things that's interesting is uh, Paul's letters are pretty long. Like we read Philippians and go, you know, we're kind of used to these, you know, long Bible letters. We call them books. Um, but Paul's letters are really pretty long. Romans, for example, is outrageously long. Philippians is a, we might say, a medium to long ancient letter. In normal ancient letter writing conventions, you would, uh, you know, you, you address, you introduce yourself, and Paul does that just like, just like we see chapter 1-1. You address your audience. You give some kind of a, a blessing to the gods. In this case, uh, Paul does the same thing. He says, um, uh, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. You often will thank, uh, you know, in the ancient world, you'd say, I thank Poseidon for getting me here safely across the, you know, the Aegean or whatever. And Paul says, it does a similar thing. He says, I thank my God every time I think of you. And then he gives his personal remarks, verse 12, chapter one, verse 12 and following. And those are normally really, really short. Like, uh, you know, uh, things are well with me. Um, it is the food is good here, and I have found safe lodging, or something like that. Um, here, notice he goes on from chapter one, verse twelve, 
all the way through to 26. Um, and so as you, and as you read that, the thing, so in both sections of your, uh, of your passage this week, both in, you know, the famous to live as Christ to die is gain, you know, 21 down to 26, as he continues his personal remarks, notice how deeply affectionate his words are for this people. Um, as you're pointing out, this is no modern individualistic thinking of Paul here. This is a, um, we are in this together. We as the community live this thing out. All of these, we mentioned this frequently, I know, all of the yous are y'alls, second person plural. But then notice, so, you know, what you're saying is precisely in the text. Look at 121 and following, chapter 1, or tw- not 21, 27 and following. My eyes are failing me. 27 and following. Now we get our first imperative or command. So, I have NIV. Here's how they translate it. So this is a this is a shift in the letter. So personal remarks, twelve down to twenty six, shift. And so you can put, you know, in my Bible, I might put like a a dashed line or a solid line so I can know. Okay, um, he's moved from talking in the first person about himself, personal remarks, to live as Christ to die as gain. I don't know what I will choose, kind of thing. Then twenty seven. Whatever happens to me. Now he's transition. Now he speaks to the group. Now he speaks to the church, and it's it's translated in the NIV, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy, um, literally coming from the Greek word. Uh, it's a verb form of the word that we get our word, uh, like polis, Indianapolis. Um, so polis means city. Um, so, I, you know, if I want to be really pedantic with it, I'd say, be citizens of a city and live as citizens of that city, but notice what it looks like. Worthy of the gospel, then... Notice the very first thing, this is to your point you're making, notice the language, that you stand firm in one spirit, as one for the faith, not being frightened and scattered by those outside. Look at chapter two, we'll look at it next week. If, you want, if there's any encouragement, be united, be one, be together, make my joy complete, be like-minded. How do you do that? Look at Christ. So uh, you're, you're rightly, I think, orienting us to, if we want to approach Philippians with this, you know, and this is the point of sermon notes, to, to, to kind of take a deeper dive here with the modern American lens on individualistic. How does this affect me, my life, my personal experience? We're going to have to almost set that aside at the door coming into uh, to work to apply a, a letter like this because man, all this is about y'all and how y'all can be one in the spirit living out as a citizenship or a city. You can't be a city by yourself. Like you have to do this together. And so I think you're completely right uh, uh, for pointing that out. Okay. So because I know you and I know how you teach, uh, I see a lot of stories coming our way. I know we'll probably uh, leave going like, wow, that was awesome. Like I want to do it. Okay. Um, when we study, you know, when we work on these, there's always things that we either talk about in our meetings. You know, we do actually, you know, read these passages, you know, several weeks out, talk about them together as a teaching team. We pray through them. Um, we study. There's always things that we just go, man, I don't have time to hit that, or I don't have time to bring that into the, you know, the 30-minute block or so. I went I went 37 on Sunday. Whoopsie-daisy, that's whoa, my fault. Uh, so, yeah, I went too long. They had, they, had to cut a, they had to cut a song. That's my fault. Uh, so, uh, and I have apologized profusely. Um, so in your study, as you kind of work through it, um, anticipate for the the community group leader or disciple maker out there, you know, questions that may come up or things that you thought, man, I, I don't have time to address that, but, um, you know, any, any features, I know Philippians is it's not all the way straightforward, but it just, it just sort of is easy to work through. So anything that just jumped out as you studied this, these last few weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Something that I probably won't be able to spend too much time on. I kind of call it the great, the great dichotomy and it's found in verse 25 found in verse 29, 
two words that seem to be the opposite of each other. And one of them is joy and the other one is suffer. And, and so Paul is very clear about saying like, hey, if we're going to live as like what you were talking about, is we're gonna, if we're going to live as different citizens, meaning that we have a different king, uh, which is obviously Christ, and it means we're going to live in a completely different way than the world is going to live, that we are going to suffer for it. Uh, and even that in itself is somewhat of a dichotomy because we will be the aroma of Christ to some and people will be drawn in and say, man, the way that they're living, I don't experience relationships like that. I, w- I want to be a part of that. And we draw people in and hopefully see them uh, become followers of Christ and are adopted into the family of God and you know their lives are com- completely changed. But also some people will look at that uh, and we'll suffer for it. If, if we truly going to live in a completely different way than what the world is lifting up, we are going to suffer for it. But Paul uses these two words. And uh, on one hand, he's, he's talking about the joy that you're going to have in Christ, but then he's going to talk about, yeah, you're going to, you're going to suffer for doing that. And, and so probably something that I won't be able to uh, impact a lot, but you know, just the idea of what is joy. I think it's so hard for people to land on, um, but it's really what I, I believe that joy is a byproduct when we live fully trusting in the promises of God. It's a byproduct that happens that we know uh, ultimately what God says is 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 true and will be true. And, and I think that's what even points us back to the beginning of this passage where Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That Paul, on one hand, he's he had a very real reality that he was living in that he could be killed for his faith which ultimately he was or he could go on living and either way it was going to be about Christ and so if his life was taken it meant he was going to get more of Christ and he was going to celebrate that if he was going to be uh, allowed to live it meant that he was going to tell more people about Christ or help people grow in Christ and so just I don't want to oversimplify things, but man, when you have a life that is completely focused on Christ, which by the way, this is uh, I believe this epistle right here, uh, Paul even uses the word Christ more than any other epistle. I think it's like fifty-one times. It's just all about Christ, and I think if we can just make our life all about Christ, um, in the good times, it's all about Christ, and we're thinking and praising Him. In the difficult times, it's all about Christ. Um, it, it's just a big takeaway, and I think. Trusting in the promises of God um, is what gives us that deep joy. Yeah, I almost, almost stole from your passage last week. So I had, uh, I taught last week 12 to 20. And again, uh, a little bit of an arbitrary breakdown of the passage. I know what they were thinking, the, those who uh, made, the, made the, the passage breakdowns, was they really wanted 21 and 22 to have their own standalone talk, which you got it. And I've been super envious ever since I saw who was teaching what. Um, but... Last week, I, I, I had us, if you were there on Sunday morning at least, I had us fill in the blank on a question that I hoped would be instructive. I talked to several of you uh, this past week about um, that that reoriented how you even approach the question of you know your circumstances and your joy and then your opinion, people's opinions of you and your anxiety. And I had people fill in the blank um, on verse 12. So it was, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance blank. And I said, fill in the blank. A better way, you know, what I really wanted to do, but I knew it'd be eating into your passage. And if you're listening to sermon notes and you've made it, you know, these 16 minutes in, this might be a really helpful 
thing to kind of build your small group to, especially if you didn't get the process last week. As you look at Paul's personal remarks, um, it could be a, just a, a really helpful question in your small group, maybe even to process yourself. I know it's been both challenging, convicting, and somewhat motivating for me even. Um, if you were to fill in this blank, for to me, to live is blank. Um, you know, I, I quoted from a theologian last week that whatever our absolute value is makes all of our other values valuable. It is the thing that everything else becomes a derivative from. It is the thing that orients everything else in my life. And sometimes those are even good things, you know, hardworking uh, and successful career or, you know, a comfortable, happy family or whatever that may be. Um, you know, being healthy and, and keep staying in shape, whatever the thing is. But the second you say for me to live is blank, successful career happy, healthy family, uh, comfortable American lifestyle, great retirement, blah, blah, blah. Whatever you fill in that blank with, that ultimately becomes the thing you orient your life to. And everything besides what Paul answers it with, like literally, I think Paul would say, if you put anything else in the blank besides Christ and what all that means, of course, then it won't be big enough and it will turn and eventually eat you alive. It will, it will betray you. It won't live up to the expectations. And so if you didn't get a chance last week, I... Um, I I was I had it in the slides, Pope, and I took it out out of deference to hey, you. Thank you. So I actually yeah. told him I was like, don't, don't yeah, don't you were like, don't verses. take my verses, and don't I was like, I know, but verses. I gotta take them a little bit, um, because it just I think what what Paul's personal remarks in twelve through uh, twenty six do is they show you the perspective, they show you the mentality of at least someone who in jail can say, yeah, I rejoice, bring it on. If you want that, if you're out there going, man, I heard I heard you, Pope, on the whole suffering thing, but like. I don't want I don't want to suffer and how do I get there? I think go back and look at Paul and he would tell you let me show you how I have joy even in this jail cell. Uh I can answer to live is Christ. He I think he might say what about you? And if you don't put Christ there I think you go yeah get get ready to suffer and not not be able to rejoice. Um and so I just it's just fascinating his his perspective that he has there and again uh, it's really clear in 21 through 26 and so Yeah and just not his perspective it's more than that like he has complete confidence mm-hmm. that when he passes away he's going to step into eternal life with Christ and man what freedom if we like truly truly believe mm-hmm. that and and I think man I'm so guilty of that is like deep down do I truly truly believe that and if you do that yeah your life is going to be completely different the way you orient it the way um you know (laughs) the way you spend your time the way you know you'll have less fear and anxiety all those things if you truly trust and says man what god says is true and if the worst that can happen to me uh, is that my life is taken what that means is i get more of christ Mm -hmm. and and deep down do we really really believe that Mm -hmm. um anything just you know we we spend weeks working on these sermons and then you know we, we 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 deliver them and we hope that they're uh we hope that the spirits that work in that and then people go and they they go to their small groups whether it's sunday night or thursday night or wednesday whatever that looks like they they join together for breakfast and talk about it in offices so anything you know just sort of a big maybe question or thing you'd want our people to be wrestling with or to be processing this week as they talk about your passage here's here's one thing that and i hope this really comes out in the teaching but man if if we could walk away with this, I would just love community groups to come together, kind of that united in one purpose, 
and, and really be just say, hey, w- what could this community group be about? And, and I'm talking about like outward ministry. And I'm going to talk about what does that mean inwardly? How do we care for each other? How do we love each other? How do we support each other as brothers and sisters in Christ? But what if each community group got also united around a certain mission? And I'd love for at least just set aside some time. Every community group, get together, talk about that. Because um, I really believe that, man, when the body of believers um, become united, just just powerful things happen. Um, I say it all the time, just one of my epiphany verses, when Christ looks at his disciples and he just says, by the love that you have for each other, this is how people are going to know that you're my disciples. And, and so just becoming united in a mission of just loving each other, and just being outward focused, man, I really think we could impact Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And so, uh, we, you know, we, we went through Esther Daniel, First Peter. Now we're diving into Paul and uh, many of these same themes of joy, even in the midst of you know, suffering, looking to Christ. Um, here they are again. And so I hope we're, we're kind of, uh, I hope we're picking up on the flavors uh, that the Bible's sending our way this year. And as always, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Sermon Notes.